Hello, fellow Rebel Capitalists. Hope you're well. So I know the question on everyone's mind after this weekend and the complete collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature and tons of others under extreme pressure right now on Monday uh, as we speak. This could be the Black Monday for regional banks. Who knows? But the question I'm sure on everyone's mind is, will the entire banking system fail? If not today, maybe some point in time throughout the rest of 2023. Maybe that's what the yield curve has been predicting. Well, that's a very difficult answer, but to get some insights, let's go right to my good buddy, Joseph Wang's website. He's FedGuy12 on Twitter. And as most of you know, he used to run the New York trading desk or the New York Fed's trading desk. So he was actually in charge of doing quantitative easing and quantitative tightening. So he was interacting daily with the huge banks and the primary dealers. So let's go over to his website because he just came out with a post addressing this question, hidden to market. And uh, I can't recommend Joseph's Twitter and his blog enough. It's fedguy.com. So he says there's little risk of a crisis in the banking sector, but that does not mean there aren't badly run banks. QE Basel III have made the banking sector significantly more liquid and resilient, such that a replay of the GFC is very unlikely. I want to be specific. A replay of the GFC, as far as this banking crisis with mortgage-backed securities, that is very unlikely because it's rare that you see the same black swan event. Uh, I guess by definition, then it wouldn't be a black swan event. But it's rare that you see the same crisis two times in a row or within the same decade or the same two decades. Usually the, the the crises that you have are much different. And that's why they can be a crisis type situation because no one's expecting them. It's a huge blind spot. But it isn't to say that we can't have a crisis or even a financial crisis, but it may look a lot different. And the catalyst could be different. Let's keep going. He said, however, individual banks with poor management can be subject to bank runs. Now, I, I don't know if I'd really call this a bank run because that implies that, to me, that implies they didn't have the assets to meet the demands. And I don't want to say that's misleading. I think that just paints the wrong picture in most people's mind because they had the assets. It's just they didn't hedge the assets, which they should have done. It's pretty, pretty basic stuff. And Joseph is going to articulate and communicate that better throughout the article here. So let's keep going. At a high level, a bank has short-dated liabilities, long-dated assets. So basically, they have demand deposits. That's a short-dated liability, meaning you can go to the bank today and say, hey, I want my 1000 bucks back. But they have long-dated assets. So the asset that matches up with that liability could be a 30-year treasury. See, that that's what he's referring to. So what do you do if the only asset that you have is a 30-year treasury but yet someone could come to the bank today and want their thousand bucks back. Well, you'd have to sell that long dated treasury or that long dated asset. And there you've got interest rate risk. So going back to what I was just saying, why on earth didn't Silicon Valley bank hedge out their interest rate risk? I'm just some Yahoo on YouTube. And if I can figure that out, why would a bank not do that? The only answer is because they were greedy and like, we don't want to pay for the insurance. Well, now you're paying the price, but let's keep going. 
and here he goes on to say a well-managed bank <laughs> holds enough assets to meet potential outflows, not just enough assets, but hedged assets for heaven's sakes, but also manages its liabilities to avoid su substantial outflows. Now, this is a key insight that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about, even on FinTwit. And of course, the mainstream media won't address this at all because they won't get down into the weeds enough to actually provide accurate statements. So let's go uh, to this chart. He shows how the banking sector is far more liquid compared to the GFC. But where he's talking about managing the balance sheet, I think that's what's really interesting here. Because when you're looking at banks, you know, over the rest of this week or throughout the rest of 2023 and asking yourself, are these guys in risk of going bust? Or is this maybe a buying opportunity once the two-year treasury settles down? <laughs> if you watch my last video, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You, you have to look at their balance sheet in this way. Liabilities. Okay, they've got deposits. Well, what type of deposits do they have? Hey, guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks, and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow Rebel Capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. And he talks about this liability management. Here we go. So deposit liabilities are difficult to value because they can, in theory, be withdrawn at any time. But in practice, they're sticky. Or certain deposits are more sticky than others, meaning they're less likely for people to come in and say, hey, I want my money back. So he goes on to say, or he goes on to kind of separate these and put them and compartmentalize them. Bank can structure its liabilities by using CDs or other contractual borrowings that are not due entirely or that are not due until a set maturity. It can also diversify its depositors base across account types. This is what I'm talking about. As some depositors are more, more volatile than others. For an example, retail depositors are protected by 250,000 in FDIC insurance. So they tend to be very sticky. So in other words, even if the bank is having problems, they're the, the depositors that have 100,000 in there, they're like, eh, no biggie. I'm going to leave my money in there. And you know, a great example of that is in fact, this weekend where I've got a person that manages all of my bank accounts and there's uh, one in particular that uh, I, I was like, hmm, that one might be over 250K. So on Saturday morning, I text that person and I said, hey, what's our balance in, in this one bank? And I said, I want to make sure that it's it's under 250. And if it's over 250, I want you to take whatever, the, you know, in addition, let's say we've got an extra 100,000 in there. I want you to wire that or whatever, get it over to another bank where we're under the 250. 
And if we're at that limit with all our accounts, then just dump that into an account where we can buy treasuries. We can buy T-bills. So we don't have that risk. But keeping the 250 in there, I was like, yeah, fine. No big deal. So that's a personal story where I had the exact same thought process that Joseph is articulating in his blog post. But he says the large depositors are not fully covered and may withdraw. Again, going right back to my story. I was like, 250? No problem. If I got more than that, get it out of there. ASAP. So the punchline is Silicon Valley Bank did not manage their assets. They didn't hedge out any of that interest rate risk. And they didn't even manage their liabilities because they're like, sure, we could have 95% of our depositors have over 250K in here. No problem. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Well, I can tell you what could go wrong, especially if 95% are not only have over the 250, but are in the tech community. And you guys know from watching my videos or just paying attention to the news, that every single time you turn on Bloomberg or CNBC, what's happening? Tech layoffs, more tech layoffs, more tech layoffs, meaning the tech industry is getting taken out in the back of the shed and being beat like a redheaded stepchild. And so if you're that bank, knowing that your depositors are that redheaded stepchild, you should diversify that. You should hedge that out, knowing that they're most likely going to be drawing down their accounts. I mean, think about it. If you were that uh, bank risk management team, and you know that the tech sector, i.e. your depositors, are losing money hand over fist to the point where they're having to lay off all of these people, when you come into work on Monday, are you going to ask the question, hmm, or what would the answer to this question be? Do you think the deposits will go up or down? You know, go ahead and cue the Jeopardy music. Oh, yeah, that's right. If all my customers are going bust, <laughs> they're incinerating money, hmm, their deposits might go down. That means that those deposit liabilities will go to some other bank because they have to pay people. And as those deposits go down, those liabilities go to another bank. Silicon Valley Bank has to take assets and transfer them along with those liabilities. So then they have to sell those treasuries at a haircut. Like, oh, whoops, we don't have enough assets. Yeah, because you didn't hedge out the asset side and you didn't manage the liability side. So the main takeaway from Joseph's post, and I highly suggest reading the whole thing, is that this was not a flaw of fractional reserve banking although this would not be possible with uh, full reserve banking. But th this was a flaw of people just being completely asleep at the wheel. I mean, there being no adults at this bank whatsoever, no professionals, or they just got insanely greedy to the point where they were just rolling the dice, just rolling the dice. And hey, we'll just take a massive bet that the Fed isn't going to continue to raise rates. And therefore, we don't need to hedge out the asset side of our balance sheet. And hey, we don't want to have to diversify our deposits because that might mean a decrease in the balance sheet. And that might mean less bonuses for the CEO or the CFO or the upper management. And we don't want to do that. So let's just, take an, let's just keep taking all this hot tech money onto the liability side of our balance sheet and just roll the dice that the Fed pivots sooner than later. And if they don't, whoops, I guess we're out of business. So that's what happened here. And so to answer the question, is this going to impact all these other banks? It depends. Were they as stupid as Silicon Valley Bank? I don't know because I can't go in there and interview the management of First Republic. As a, or he points out some banks here that are, I think, under 
quite a bit of pressure. I know First Republic definitely is a BMO, Huntington, KeyBank, Fifth, Third, MNT. But I I saw on Zero Hedge that they're just tweeting out bank after bank after bank that's under extreme pressure today as far as their share price. Again, will they go bust? They, they shouldn't if they actually manage their balance sheet properly. But did they manage the balance sheet properly? I don't know. You would assume they would if they had the common sense of a third grader. But maybe that's giving these banksters too much credit. So if you're trying to figure this out, if you're a sophisticated investor, not even if you're sophisticated, if you're really paying attention to your portfolio and you want to look at probabilities or potential opportunities, make sure that when you're analyzing the balance sheet, you're asking yourself these types of questions about the assets and the liabilities. And before you start to analyze any of these banks to see if they're going to go bust or they might be an opportunity, read this blog post from my good buddy, Joseph Wang. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. See you in the next video.